0: Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Praise Team. What a wonderful time of worship we have had this morning. And let me direct your attention. If you would, grab your copy of God's Word and you can turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2. We've been talking about Christmas songs over the past uh, couple of weeks, and we're going to continue in that line here this morning. And uh, by the time we've gotten to this point, with it being Christmas Eve, I imagine that there have been many times this Christmas season when you have had all manner of Christmas songs stuck in your head. Uh, Some of them... Uh, very religious, some of them very not. And uh, nevertheless, we've been singing the songs, and we've got a couple more days to sing them, and are certainly excited about that. But we all, what we really need is a song that's going to carry us through, a song that we'll be able to continue singing on December the 26th, and as the new year rolls around, that the song would continue to resound. And what we're really going to find as we come into God's word here this morning is that we're going to find Heaven's song, the Angel's song, the song that is really the song for all seasons in all times, in all places. So grab your copy of God's Word, and as we think about where we are within the The Christmas story itself, and we think of the wonderful reality of the uh, angelic declaration that Zechariah and Elizabeth would have a a son, and of course he was born and now John the Baptist, and of course we talked about Mary's hymn and her song that she sung out with praise as uh, baby Jesus was still in the womb, and then of course we talked last week about Zechariah's song and the, the glory of what God had done and really the way in which he had made every preparation and prepared for the arrival of our King and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so even in thinking about unpacking the broader context of where we are, we're going to read from chapter 2 down through verse 20, and then we will work our way from verse 8 through 20. But in order to give us just the proper context, read with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and this is what we read. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Continue reading with me. Verse 8, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." as it had been told them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, may the song of heaven resound in our hearts today. May we sing with absolute adoration, with surrender and repentance and faith, glory to You. Glory to You in the highest. Glory to you for making the way of peace through Jesus Christ, your own Son. Father, open our eyes that we may understand. Open our hearts that we may adore. And Father, may we come away today with a deeper awe and wonder and worshipful heart directed toward you. Father, we ask all of this in the mighty and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we come into verse 8, and really as we enter into this text, we are reminded of all the things that are going on here, and all the details, and all the moving parts, and all the moving pieces, and now Jesus has been born, and there they are in Bethlehem, and it seems like such a quiet thing, such an unnoticed thing. There they are. They laid Jesus, wrapped Him in swaddling cloths, laid Him in a manger, and there was no place for them in the end. And we pick right up, and we find ourselves sort of taken aback from that context and put off in the field somewhere. And all of a sudden, we're, we're with a bunch of shepherds. And we're told in verse 8, and in the same region, right in the region of Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. So it's like the background noise to this song of heaven as we first hear it here in Luke chapter 2. The background noise, you just hear all the sheep. All the faint shouting of the shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. Shepherds who at least at this point in history, were commonly looked down upon. They were lowly, they were unclean, they were uneducated. Just common people doing a common job in a common place. It was the most routine sort of pattern that you would do. Here we are, we're just doing our job, and here we are, we're just doing it again. And right in the middle of the mundane, right in the middle of what felt like an absolute normal routine, all of a sudden... The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. As we think of the angel of the Lord, this is not some diaper wearing cherub that showed up in the sky. This is a warrior of the Lord clothed in what would look like lightning, ablaze with the glory of the Lord, where it's absolutely humiliating in the sense of being unnerved to the nth degree like Mount Sinai had just shown up in the majestic beauty and glory of God's holiness. It's as we might think of it, the first Christmas light, as light is invading the darkness here. And it helps us to remember here, there are no streetlights at this point in history. It's not like anybody could be out there, turn on the flashlight and be like, oh yeah, here we go. A sudden array of light would be absolutely unnerving where all of a sudden it's pitch black and all that you could see is just the, the speckled stars in the sky and all of a sudden it feels like one of those stars has just landed in your lap. We would have the same response. They were filled with great fear. Great fear in the sense of the suddenness of light. Great fear in the sense that the angel of the Lord had just shown up. Great fear in the sense of their own settled unworthiness of the fact that they knew their own hearts, they knew the glory of the Lord had just shown up, afraid of what that might mean. It's a helpful reminder for us is that as we approach Christmas, as we approach the giving of the gifts, and as we think of the giving of the greatest gift, of the gift of Christ, it helps us to approach Christmas with a settled sense of our own unworthiness. We did not deserve For God to send His own Son to save us. And in fact, left in our own sin, we are not in a good place. We are absolutely unworthy of knowing Him, of having Him, of being forgiven by Him. And that in order for us to fully grasp the song of heaven, we need to acknowledge the grace of God in our own unworthiness before Him. And it's as though in the middle of all of that, right as soon as reality clicks for the shepherds and they realize this is really happening, in verse 10, the angel says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That even as light exposes all of the details, even as light is dawning right in front of them, and even oftentimes as the light of the holiness of God exposes all of the details of our lives, we don't like that. Even this time of year, right? Some of us may be taking light bulbs out of the bathroom because we've been going to all the Christmas parties, right? There's too many shadows going on in there. We don't like what we're seeing, so we need to darken it down a little. Light exposes what is wrong, doesn't it? And then when the light of the glory of God exposes our sin, we don't like it. We are afraid of it, and yet in the middle of all of that, the angel looks at these shepherds and says, fear not. Do not be afraid. This is good news of a great joy. Behold, he's got an announcement to make. He's got good news to deliver. It's great joy. Listen, guys, this is reason to rejoice. Light piercing the darkness is reason for joy, not for fear. Light piercing the darkness and exposing your own sin is reason for joy, not for fear. Just as long as you come to Christ. Just as long as you hear and embrace and receive that which is good news. I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. And the way in which this is described is it's great joy that is enduring. It's not like the great joy where there's this like cloud of dust on Christmas morning, tomorrow morning in your house, and then around 10 o'clock in the morning, you hit the sort of Christmas lull, right? All the kids are asleep in piles of wrapping paper, and you're trying to pull it out from under them and you know trying to figure out what you're going to do for lunch and how this is all going to be put together and how you're going to get to see everybody that you need to get to see. Right? It's the Christmas lull. There's the rejoicing, and then it just settles out. But the joy in Christ lasts permanently it endures it continues it just continues to get magnified in our own lives this is good news of a great joy that will be for all the people not just the shepherds not just the people in bethlehem not just the people in israel not even just us here it is the light to the nations god has remembered his promise hope of forgiveness has come there is peace with God. Whomever you may be, whatever your backstory may be, come to Christ, and there's reason for joy. The eternal Son of God has come in the flesh to redeem us, to save us, to rescue us, to call us to Himself, and to bring us into His family. What a God we have. What reason for joy, what reminders we have in the midst of all the details of Christmas that we would have our hearts prepared to sing this great song of heaven. Rejoice! He says in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He says unto you. It's like the little gift tag on the box. You go rifling around the tree. And you look down and say, like, is this for me? And it says unto you. Here it is. You need to receive it. Unto you on this day, that in this real moment, in a real time, in a real place, in a real city of David. In Bethlehem that we just read a moment ago in verse 4. The city of David which is called Bethlehem. Here it is in this promised place from Micah chapter 5 that there's coming one who is a ruler from ancient times who will rule and reign with peace, who will shepherd his people. And you can imagine as the shepherds are listening to this and listening to the angel of the Lord and they're, they're tracking along with the angel for a little bit and it's one of those moments where you would want to fill in the sentence, right? And maybe you do this sometimes and maybe you do this sometimes and you just fail miserably. You're tracking along, you're listening, and you're, like, and you're about to fill in the Word with, of the, at the end of the sentence, and this will, you know, here it is, in the city of David, a shepherd, a king, a Messiah. He says, no, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is who we need. This is not some sort of haphazard gift that may or may not work out in your life this is the gift we all need. We need a Savior. Jesus, whose name means the Lord is salvation. Jesus, who is described in Matthew chapter 1 as the angel appeared to Joseph, said, His name will be called Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. This is who we need. This is God's design. This is God's gift to us, a Savior who is Christ Lord. So he is our Savior. Our Savior is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who fulfills the three offices, anointed offices of the Old Testament. He's our prophet and our priest and our king, the long awaited one. He is the Lord, God with us, Emmanuel, and he has entered humanity to save us, to give us hope, to give us life, to give us forgiveness, to save us from our sins. And at this point, you've got to imagine the shepherds are thinking, okay, well, he's born this day in the city of David. He's here. Where do we find him? Where do I find this guy? Where do we go? And the angel gives some very interesting directions here. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The signs are helpful, right? Signs are pointers, Signs are ways of authenticating. Maybe, you know, you're looking at your GPS and you're trying to get to a place and you finally see the actual road sign and you're like, there it is. We have arrived at our destination. Whether or not the lady on the GPS said it right or not, we're here. The signs are helpful to point the way, to authenticate, to make sure that you have gotten to the right place. What's the sign? A baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And at first you read that, you're like, well, that was common practice, and it was, which is a good reminder for us that Christ has come in the flesh. The eternal Son of God has taken on flesh and entered humanity in its totality. He has come, and He has made like us in every respect, that He may be our faithful high priest. That he would live in perfect righteousness in a way that we never could. That he would be able to be our substitute. Here he is, the fullness of deity in bodily form. Wrapped in swaddling cloths. And for the shepherds, they would think, well, that could be any baby that was born in Bethlehem. Oh, but there's another detail. Lying in a manger. An uncommon detail. Laying your children in a feed trough. Wiping out the slather of sheep saliva out of there before you lay the the hay down and put your baby in there. Sorting this out for the shepherds to be like, okay, well, we can figure this out. We can find this one that we can understand who we're looking for. And it's amazing to see how good God is in, uh, in providing the way of giving us the directions and giving us a clear way to authenticate who it is that we're actually looking for here. It's a good reminder for all of us that God knows exactly how to lead you to himself. Maybe you're here this morning and you've just sort of wandered around for a little while, or at least that's how you thought it would be the case. And maybe you're just here, you know, you come to church because, you know, you're here with your parents, you're here with your grandparents, you're here with a friend, or whatever else the case may be, and it's just sort of something that you do this time of year. What what if this is God leading you to himself? What if in the middle of the mundane reality of this sort of church thing that maybe you do, all of a sudden God and His glory is going to show up and open your eyes to see the glory of the One who has come to save you, to give you life and joy and peace and hope in Himself? Do you know who you're looking for here today? Do you know who came to us? And it's as though right here welling up in the background that you can feel it, that we would come and adore Him. Christ the Lord, the Savior, the Emmanuel. And all of a sudden we start to feel that we want to join in the song of heaven, fully aware of the significance of the moment. Because in verse 13 it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That the quiet Hillside turns into a song that's being sung. Multitude of the heavenly host. Now, you start to track this down with sort of biblical references. You can go to Psalm 68, 17. You can go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 10. You start talking about the heavenly host. And then you start thinking in terms of numbers. And you're thinking, okay, 10,000 times 10,000. Which I know we're on, you know, Christmas break, so we don't want to do math. So I'll do it for you, right? It's 100 million. That's like the population of California, Texas, Florida, and Georgia all of a sudden showing up in the sky, praising, listen to the song of heaven, listen to the angel's song, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased, that with the arrival of the sun, all of heaven rejoices. The faithful God who has promised redemption, who has promised salvation, has come. The Savior has arrived. The Messiah, the Lord, He's here. Redeeming love has come, pursuing His people. And it's like they're acknowledging and recognizing the glory of God being displayed and declared in this way, in this moment. And that even though it would not have been a great crowd of shepherds at the moment, you can we're still talking about it here today. And the song still resounds, heaven still declares, heaven still sings this familiar tune, and on earth. So glory to God in heaven, and glory to God on earth, with peace among those with whom He is pleased. Here in the effect of His arrival, peace with God against whom we have all sinned. our natural condition is that we are at enmity with God. We are at war with Him. We are against Him. We are opposed to Him. We need Him to save us. We need to save save us from our sin nature. We need Him to save us from our sinful action. And then in doing so, He rescues us and transforms our lives. And He says, peace on earth with those whom He is pleased. You may be asking yourself, well, with whom is He pleased? Well, interestingly enough, if you were to turn in your Bibles, you don't have to, but in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we read this, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. With whom is He pleased? Those who repent and believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Trust And who He is and what He has come to do. And for us looking back on this and what He has done. The peace and the assurance of forgiveness. The assurance of the forgiveness of our sin. And that heaven song of eternal praise at work in the life of the believer. And I wonder as we come together here today. As we have all of the stuff in our minds. All the things yet to do. All the tasks yet unfinished. All the presents that are hidden in some closet somewhere that have to be wrapped. All the things that you have to go get because you forgot to go get somebody a present already. All those things that are heavy on our minds right now. I wonder as we approach him here this morning, are we approaching him in a way that he's pleased with? Trusting in him, believing in him, rejoicing in him, trusting in him for salvation, not for whatever we think we want out of him, but for what he has come to give. He has not come to please us, He has come to make us pleasing to the Father. Join in the song and realize that this is much more than some holiday tune. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. And in an instant, the choir of a hundred million is gone. Verse fifteen: When the angels went away from them and into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us." You can imagine them standing there for a second, and it's like you take a second for your ears to adjust, take a second for your pupils to adjust. Like, okay, what would you do? Like, let's go. Let's go over there. Let's go see. These are not scholars, these are not theologians, but these are believers. And when the angel tells you, go, and you got to wonder, as they made their way out of the hillside, out of the fields, and they go hunting this baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger, I wonder what song they were singing. I wonder what song was stuck in their head. It's not hard to imagine, is it? Glory to God in the highest. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste, found Mary, found Joseph, and found the baby lying in the manger. They found it exactly as they were told there's the baby, there's the manger, there's Mary, there's Joseph. The sign is authentic. We found him. It's as though God has led us directly to him, which he did. This is not the last time he's done that either. He may be doing that very thing in your own life here this morning. And you're looking at the whole circumstance and you're thinking, This really did happen. This really is amazing. And all of a sudden, it just starts to well out of your heart and well out of your life. We got to talk about this. In verse 17, it says, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They saw it. We read, saw it. Like, we have a pronoun problem here? I don't call my baby in it. But they're not talking about just the baby. The whole circumstance, the whole event, it's exactly the scenario, the picture that was painted. And so, just as the angel said, they start to make it known. It's like the shepherds are are in there and they're looking at Mary and they're looking at Joseph and they're like, oh, you got to hear this. Check this out. Because it came upon a midnight clear. It was a silent night, it's a holy night. All is calm and all is bright. Next thing you know, it's joy to the world. The Lord has come. And hark the heavenly angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. In a way, in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus. He down his sweet head. It's like all who are listening to this and all who are listening and reflecting, they all wondered at what the shepherds told them. They were all astonished and marveling at this song of heaven. And I know we're, fami- we're as familiar with this story biblically as perhaps we are any story biblically. We have just heard it yet again. Have we marveled at what the shepherds told them? Was that our response this morning? Were we amazed ag- again? Astonished? amid all the the lights and decor and gifts and everything, amid all the times in which people surprisingly walk in the door and we have great delight. We have those sudden gasps of delight and joy. We're just amazed. Is that how we approach Christ here today? Astonished and marveling that God would love us so much that He would send His Son to save us from our sin, that we've heard it yet again. The wonderful counselor has come who's going to walk with us through all of our hurts. The almighty God has arrived to be our strength in the midst of our weakness. The one through whom we can know the heavenly father, the prince of peace who has come to set us at peace with God and rule and reign in our lives that we would have peace that passes all understanding that would guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. They all wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Treasuring the recollection of this heavenly song. Glory to God in the highest. Holding these things closely, like the gift of all gifts, reflecting even on the reality of her own song. You remember in verse 49 of chapter 1, He who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. And it's like the song just resounds again. Glory to God in the highest. She treasured. And she pondered them in her heart. It's like the more you think about something, the more you think about the gospel, the more amazing it is. The more you, f- you reflect on your own life and realize just how undeserving we are and just how much He loves us. As you reflect on the fact that how desperately you need forgiveness and yet how lavishly He has provided it in Christ. And the more you ponder, the more amazing it gets. And here's Mary pondering all these things in her heart, pondering the glory of God, pondering peace, pondering the love of God. And it's not just all that has already happened, it's all that is yet to come. Because the melody of the glory of God in the highest would continue as Jesus is tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin, who went to the cross and died in our place, who laid down His life as the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world, who said it is finished, who died, who rose again. Glory to God in the highest. That the glory is still on display. It's like she's looking around the room, looking around at the scenario, looking around at the scene, and looking for reasons to continue singing the song. Are we doing that this year? Looking around at reasons to ponder and rejoice in the glory of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Because it's not just a song for Christmas, it's not just a text of scripture we should come to once a year and read it because it's the Christmas story. It's a song that outlasts every season. Because it's a song that the shepherds took home with them and it transformed their lives. Look at verse 20. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They went back. They went back to what? They went back to the normal routines. They went back to regular life. They went back to shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. They went back to the daily minutia. You might be on Christmas vacation this week, and I hope that you are, and I hope that you enjoy it, but a Monday is coming. It will arrive sooner than you want. And when it does, what is it? Back to the grind, right? Back to the daily stuff. Back to the minutiae. Return glorifying and praising God. Go back into the details of all of it with a renewed sense of awe and joy and wonder to God in your heart. The song for all seasons, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Glory to God for all who repent and believe, who turn away from their sin for the first time, and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. Glory to God that as we look at all the daily minutia, and we can say, Whether I eat or drink, I'll do it all to the glory of God. That whatever we do, in word or in deed, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. Glory to God that the Messiah has come, that the Savior has arrived, that the Lord has taken on flesh and dwelt among us to save us from our sin, that the good shepherd has come and he lays down his life for the sheep we ought to have a great expectation that His glory is so amazing that this song resounds in our hearts for all eternity, that we would go home from this place glorifying and praising God for all that we had heard and seen as it had been told, us. The song carried them through. And that the song is not only meant to carry them through, but us as well. Christmas music's shelf life is about to expire. Because as soon as those presents are unwrapped, and whatever you eat for lunch is eaten, you're thinking, I've been jingle belled to death. (laughs) I'm ready for a different song. I've heard enough about Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. I've dreamed of a white Christmas, but it's supposed to be 61 degrees and rainy. <laughs> maybe you've roasted chestnuts, maybe you haven't. Maybe you've heard the sleigh bells ringling, jing, jing, jingling too, and you've melly kaliki your way through a dietary disaster. <laughs> but we're about to put all those songs away for another year. We need a song that will carry us through. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. What song will still be playing in your house and in your heart on December the 26th? Glory to God in the highest. How ought we to pick up this melody? How, How ought we join in the song? Not just sing it, let us live it. That we would sing because it's true, that we are humbled before a righteous and a holy God, we recognize this gift we do not deserve, overwhelmed by the wonder of His grace, and yet astounded at the fact that as we look at the love that He has sent us, our name is on the box. But that gift must be received. You must receive the gift of Jesus Christ, who has come in the flesh to save you from your sin, who lived in perfect righteousness, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead. You must receive Him by faith. And in so doing, you receive peace with God. You receive reconciliation with the Father. You receive hope. You receive life. You receive forgiveness. You receive reason for joy for all eternity. The gift has been given. Won't you glorify and praise God by receiving it and that your heart would say glory to God in the highest here this morning. Maybe you're here and you're a believer and you just need to be refreshed in awe and wonder at who God is and what he has done. Respond even now with praise In glory to God in the highest. It's a catchy song. It's time to live it. Let's respond in a way that would honor he who gave it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are amazing. Stir our hearts for awe and wonder at you today. God help us. And Lord, we pray that the light of your glory would expose our sin. That the light of your glory would expose the fact that we need you more than we would ever be willingly, willing to admit. God, may your light ignite the darkness of our own lives that we may rejoice in the good news of Jesus. That there is hope and forgiveness through faith in him. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Father, we pray that even today, Lord, that You, Your goodness and grace, will have led people to Yourself. That out of the mundane routine, You would call them out of darkness and into Your marvelous light. That they would sing and rejoice for all eternity, glory to You in the highest. Father, for all of us in here who know You, who are believers, Father, remind us, refresh us, in awe and wonder in you today. God, be honored. God, be glorified as we pick up the song of heaven together here now. May we not only sing, may we live to the glory of our King, our Savior, our Lord, our Jesus, in whose name we pray together now. Amen.